Yep. Okay. All right, let's do this. Hope this audio comes out all right because it's it'll suck. My internet connection is unstable. Oh shit. That's not good. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I'm at I mean, I'm at, at the top of my bar, so I'm not really sure. Yeah, well, my computer is hella old, so I, I have to keep. I usually keep my laptop in the in my front room because it's right by the uh, the router, and I have internet connectivity issues in my bedroom, and so it's just my laptop. It's I got it in 2012, so it's been it's been it's it's old. I've been meaning to get a new one for a few years now, but that's fair. That's yeah. absolutely. I've had my yeah. I try to keep my electronics for as long as possible because shenanigans like i only swap out my electronics if there's like a super super major update to the tech definitely okay all right take a sip of diet i have not drinking tea today i'm drinking diet mountain dew which is delicious Ah, delicious okay let's do this i'm drinking water because i'm determined to remain high (laughs) (laughs) okay Hello world, welcome back to the Flores and Friends podcast. It is Monday the 7th, Labor Day. Shout out to the pro-labor movements out there. We wouldn't be here without you. And I am joined by my dear friend and just wonderful person all around, Tiffany Stewart. How are you doing today? I am good. Um, Yeah, avoiding the news. So I am good. (laughs) yeah, yeah, that's where we are right now. We're, I'm just avoiding. Mm-mm. So yeah, I'm good. I don't blame you. It's <laughs> it's rough. I've I've had this. This is day three of a three day weekend, and I don't think I've watched any news. I think I've watched sports and movies all weekend. I went to the park yesterday. That was nice. Could you believe mm-hmm. that? Like, it shocked me yesterday that like while I was at the park, it was like 91 degrees, but in California, it was like 120 degrees. Like it was the it's hottest. Nice they've ever recorded in like the state of California ever. I was like, it's not very often that California is egregiously hotter than it is in Austin. So. I mean, but you know, climate change, that's not real at all. <clears throat> not at all. So we have a few things not to talk all. about. Mm-hmm. Uh, none of them. Well, some of them are fun. Some of them are not. Uh, so we're just going to do the best we can. Thank you, Tiffany, for doing this. I, I'm, I'm very happy to see you. I haven't seen you since January, right? Like somewhere around there, huh? Your birthday. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Since your birthday, we're not gonna, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you still have my plate, right? I do. I, I was thinking about bringing it in here to show you. I still have it. We just haven't been able to get it together. So, uh, no worries. Like, stay safe, friend. Listen, that plate will be fine exactly where it is. <laughs> they were delicious. Those lemon cake, those lemon, uh, lemon cakes. Is that what they are? Lemon, like, lemon brown? Are- yeah. yeah, lemon bars, lemon bars. Dairy-free lemon bars, do you know what I'm saying? Got to be inclusive in here. That's yeah. what I have to do. It was, uh, it was delicious, and that was such a fun night. It was, I said this a few times on the, on the pod so far. Like, I had such a wonderful night that night, and then, like, six weeks later, the world went to hell. Started mm-hmm. off great. This year started off great. To be fair, I feel like for me, because my birthday is, my birthday was literally the day of or the day before yeah. lockdown officially kicked in. And I was like, did my birthday kick off the apocalypse? What is, what is well, going on? I guess that's a good place to start. It's really like the only thing to talk about, really. Like everything else seems lane yap or trivial. Uh, it's kind of a downer. But yeah, so we're still in the middle of this pandemic. It's uh-huh. September. We're going on six months now. 
of yeah. dealing with this. You know, we have the holidays coming up. We have an election coming up. We have a lot of things going on in the next three months. Uh, and it's, it's been, it's been rough. Uh, but before we go any further, let's, let's, let's talk to you, Tiffany. You've had a particularly interesting experience during all this. Uh, would you like to share with us what you know, the past six months have been like for you? Okay. So let me start off by saying that I am an introvert. Yes. And that I have been working from home for the past, how long have we been? Like three I, start, I started years, working maybe? from I started working from home in November of 2019, but y'all have been working from home way longer than that because I was still Mm -hmm. going to the office every day, like a fucking dinosaur. Yeah, you were. I mean, you were very particular about keeping your home and office completely separate. And now here we are. Um, (laughs) But yeah, because I came back from Greece and basically went home and then just stayed home. So I've been working from home for quite some time. Yeah. Um, so for me, in that aspect, the pandemic, in terms of like social distancing, has not been difficult for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I already, I already don't really go to go- bars or anything like like that really. And most of the times when I do go, I go to like a coffee shop and I'll sit by myself in the corner away from everybody. So, I mean that that was sort of already built into the way my living situation was sorted. Mm-hmm. Um. I feel like my extrovert friends, though, lost their shit. Um, wow. I just, I wasn't ready for them to have lost their shit in that, in that level. I think the idea of people having to sit with themselves and sit with their thoughts was difficult for a lot of people. Whereas I'm always like, you know, I stay on introspective mode. Yeah. But I feel like pandemic really sort of, it was like you had to sit with yourself and or your significant other. Ooh, the divorce rate. <clears throat> like, figure out your like internal shit. Because I mean, this was this was hard for a lot, a lot of people. So yeah. But for uh, me, I was just kind of like, oh, Tuesday. <laughs> That's pretty much where that was. Oh, I was gonna say the, the being furloughed. Uh, but you know, I have a home. Um, I am I have I'm fortunate to be able to pay my rent and pay my bills, um, even though I'm tapping into my savings and what have you. But you know, yeah, man, it's hard. I can't imagine. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you can hear me. Uh, it was it was it's, you you were cutting out for a little bit, but hopefully technical issues won't derail this episode. But uh, yeah, it's been rough on me. I'm, I'm, we're kind of cut. From sim from the similar from similar cloth, uh, you know me. I'm I'm also an introvert. I I don't need to talk to people. Like that's not been the struggle for me. The struggles for me is like, uh, while I do spend most of my time like pre-pandemic, I do spend most of my time. I do have to go out. Like my brain, my psychological state requires me to go out. And I didn't go out all the time, but I did go out during the week. Like usually a Thursday, a Friday, maybe even a Saturday. And the fact that that was removed from me. Like that really was a lot and I'm, I'm fine, I, but I had, I was struggling, especially like May, June, yeah, May and June, I was, I was suffering from depression. Like it wasn't like the, like, it wasn't like, it wasn't like life-threatening depression, but it was like, the, I've never experienced anything like that where I was just like, I just like, 
I felt bad because like I think I don't know if I told you this, but like I think I've spoken on the pod about this, but like I felt a lot I felt very guilty because work was just completely unfulfilling. Like it was it was so challenging to get through uh because it seemed like the most trivial bullshit to be doing at the time. But also there were tons of people out of work or furloughed or just like struggling way worse than I am that I had this like survivor's guilt. Like that's the only way I can describe it. But uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm better now, uh, six months in I've developed, you know, a new normal. That's what everybody throws around is the new normal. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm making it, but yeah, I, I miss people. Like I miss, I see, I don't miss like, I don't miss crowds. Like, I don't think I'll even after yeah. all this, I'll be like, yeah. I, I can't wait to be in lines again. But like, I do miss like, yeah, I can't wait to go to Coachella. Yeah. I, I do miss like, <laughs> going to a bar and not necessarily just like I, i'll tell you this man uh i went to i went downtown last weekend just to because i had been downtown in a while and people have been asking me like what's austin like has it been hit really hard i'm like yeah it has but i honestly haven't really gone downtown since the pre-pandemic so i went downtown to just go walk and you know get some fresh air and get some you know movement going and i gotta tell you tiffany i know how much you despise sixth street but I walked down 6th Street and it was one of the most depressing things like I'd ever seen. Like a whole bunch of shit was just boarded up and it was, it was, it was, it was hard. It really left, it really lingered with me just seeing like all these, like I I don't really go down, I don't party on 6th Street, but there are, there are places downtown that I do like to go and, you know, every now and then I'll make my way through 6th Street or I'll do something. And, uh, I'm used to seeing it very lively, even during the day, like 6th Street is lively, even in the middle of the day, you know, at least things are open, but the, the fact that it was like 11 o'clock on a Saturday and like a whole bunch of shit was closed up, it was just sad. It was just sad. And there were a bunch of homeless people and it was, it was a tough sight. Um, I love Austin. I really do. But with losing, uh, South by Southwest and now ACL, I think, and all this lost revenue of just like public events. I'm like, man, I don't even know how this city, it was already hard. It was, it, this city was already expensive and really like, like a lot of things, it, it was getting expensive to live here and rents were going up. And I'm just like, now people can't even work. So it's like, what are people doing? I don't know. It's, it's sad. It's a very sad state. I, I do agree with what you're saying though. Cause I, I did, leave my house at one point to go to bird bird biscuit Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i remember like driving first of all i was like have i not left my house in so long because it is exceedingly bright out here (laughs) i felt like you know like a hobbit had emerged from his hole i was like wait what i can't see i need shades but it was interesting driving around downtown and first of all i didn't even recognize the sign anymore like all the buildings that (laughs) that's how long i haven't left my house like all these buildings that were sort of like empty, but still going up. So like a strange sort of skeleton structure that was happening. Yeah. So that was interesting. And then in terms of like the housing situation, I mean, Austin has always, always seemed to have like an issue with not making affordable housing a thing. Like, I feel like it. it's not until, see now here we go. It's not until like white people can't afford to live here that it becomes a problem is, is generally how that appears to yeah. have gone. The, uh, the so housing. I'm just 
everyone's out a side eye in that particular regard because this, you know, but I mean, I, mm, there's a lot to be said there. <laughs> yeah, the, the housing crisis is a lot like the crack epidemic and the opioid epidemic. Like, like you, I totally agree with you that the crack epidemic was, you know, dismissed as, oh, it's fucking African-Americans or poor people that are suffering from it. But, but once the opioid epidemic hit in the uh, mid-2000s to 2010s, then the opioid pandemic became a serious issue. And it's just like, it's, it's, it's a double standard. It's hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, there's a lot of that going on. So I think that, speaking of race relations right now, let's move on to the, <laughs> the, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. For anyone not aware, Tiffany, you are a person of color. You, but you are, you, I mean, how do you classify yourself? I don't want to I mean, I'm, I'm black. Yes, but, but you, you're not, do you consider yourself African-American at this point, even though you've lived in this country? Oh, in terms of my are, identity. Yes. I just had this conversation with somebody the other day. Um, so because I am an immigrant, I sort of ident- identify with my Jamaican-ness first. Mm-hmm. Um, and then depending on the day, it's either woman and black or black and then woman. <laughs> It just depends on like what the issue is that I'm struggling with that de- determines what, what, which one of those two goes first yeah. at, at the time. Because So the Black Lives Matter movement for me is, let me also just state, I am speaking specifically for myself and not for the entirety of any Jamaican immigrants who are Black, who are women, who are cis, like, you know what I'm saying? I... I'm speaking for myself. I'm not duly noted because child these comments, but I, you know, I, I think when I first moved here, I didn't really understand the historical sort of like cultural situationship that is like racism in America. Um, Because I moved here when I was like, what, 12, 13. So it just wasn't. And then I moved to New York where I was surrounded by. Yeah a bunch of Jamaicans and a bunch of West Indians. So I didn't really, so it wasn't really until I moved out to not even California. Cause I didn't really, well, yeah, I didn't really experience much in California. It was, wasn't until I moved to the South in Mississippi back in like 2001 that I was like, Oh, I seen, <laughs> huh? That's what they're talking about. Okay let me explore this further. And so I sort of took it upon myself to educate myself on how racism and being black in America was sort of (laughs) uh, what it is. There was a lot of reading, a lot of reading that I had to do, um, a lot of self-research, self-discovery, introspection about what my thoughts were. Because I think when I first moved here, I was deep into the respectability politics. So like, I was very much on that, what what a man name? Uh, Bill Cosby, where if you just pulled up your pants and if you just like pulled up- Yes, that's a name that doesn't get thrown around much anymore. (laughs) I mean, like, no, because he was like the first like- Yeah, definitely. For me, at least, he was the first Black person I saw who was, like, being interviewed who was very much like, well, if Black people just fit into this very narrow, specific ideal of how they should behave, then, you know, all their problems would be solved. And I, because, again, in Jamaica, I'm surrounded by people that look like me. I don't have 
Now we have a whole bunch of other issues, but that's another podcast for another day. Yeah, um, but so, and so that was, I was just, I never, I didn't understand. And then I got to the South and I was like, oh, okay, I see now. So like, I read a lot of books and I actually just started studying and like speaking to other people about their experiences. And then actually started paying attention to my experiences because I didn't understand a lot of the things that were said to me at the time. But mm-hmm. now in retrospect, I can look back and be like, oh, you son of a bitch. So like the concept of like people touching my hair when it's in its natural state was, I was like, that's weird. But I mean, I guess if you want to, like I didn't understand that context at all. Yeah. Um, I didn't understand the context of like my hair being in its natural state being a political thing, which I'm like, it grows out my head this way. What you want me to do? I'm confused. You know, like knowing that my, me wearing my hair, the way that it comes out of my head could cost me a job is like, what? <laughs> it's, it was so beyond me. Like all, I, I was just like, I don't understand. This is a completely foreign concept to me. And I am just what, I remember being called, oh, wait, should we give a spoiler warning, trigger warning for words? I mean, I whatever, you, whatever you feel comfortable with, I'll, uh, you know, if it's, if you'd like me to bleep it out, I can. Like, I've done that in the you past for previous guests. So, whatever you feel comfortable with. I'm not. It's up to you. I, I remember being called a porch monkey. Yeah. And I had no clue what that was. Like, I just was like, I don't know what that is. What is that? <laughs> like, I just, I just had no clue at all. But, and I, even with like, and I've noticed that there seems to be a serious lacking of the teaching of the history of black people and slavery and all of that, all that that entails in this country. Like, I feel like for me, that was never taught in any of my history classes. And I took like AP history, AP US history, you know what I'm saying? Like I went to, right. And so even when I got to college, the history that we taught that was required mentioned none of this like i didn't learn about the tulsa massacres till watchmen yeah a lot of and i i mean i don't know a lot i haven't really discussed this with a lot of uh african-american black people that i know but mm-hmm. i've heard a lot on the interwebs on the social medias uh that a lot of white people and some black people were not aware of any of this until they saw oh, yeah. it on watchmen or and you know there was also uh, i think the uh uh, Black Wall Street in North Carolina. I can't remember. Oh, God, was it Wilmington? I think it was Wilmington that also experienced something similar to Tulsa. So there's a lot. Yeah, as an American, I'll tell you this, man. Like, like okay, so a little bit more about me. Um, growing up in New Orleans, like, I lived around Black people my entire life. Like, I was very comfortable. My stepdad's Black. I had Black friends in school. Like, I, I, I don't like it, I was always comfortable. Like I, and my mother was a very, is a very progressive woman. Uh, she is a very, uh, modern woman as far as like she, if she ever caught us saying anything that could be racially insensitive, that was going to be a bad day for us. So I, I was used to this. Like I'm comfortable around black people. I don't find black people threatening. I don't find anything threat. Like I'm cool with everybody, man. I was brought up very inclusivity, very welcoming. And I'll tell you, man, I don't know. I think being in New Orleans as well had something to do with it. Like growing up around black people, being comfortable around black people, not feeling threatened by black people or any people of color, really. As I come to find out, New Orleans 
you know, it's in the South, uh, but it is the exception, not the norm, that level of comfortability. And I mean, New Orleans has, has its own fucked up racial history as well. I don't want to gloss over that, but we are, I like to feel, and this may be some bias coming in, I like to feel that New Orleans, as far as race relations, are, again, ex- the exception to the general attitude in the South. So what you were talking about, Mississippi, I was like, yeah, it gets bad. Like, I, w- I, would, I would check those experiences that you personally have versus like in-depth experiences of like the Black people who live there. Because yeah. I remember after Katrina, like the stories that were coming out of there were shenanigans left right and central is is what i'm gonna say about that so that's but again i don't know i'm not from new orleans i don't live there i can only surmise based on you know being black in the south what that must have meant yeah yeah i'm i'm a white man i'm hispanic like but i'm 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 caucasian so my experiences in the south you know uh probably weren't as I will I'll definitively say we're not nearly as harsh as probably some of my uh black peers um but as far as black lives matters goes it's been rough like even like I just don't I'm a pacifist uh I I I generally don't believe in violence I don't believe in aggression or antagonism like I just generally I mean I'm I'm chill vibes over here man uh mm-hmm. so just seeing violence committed like i'll i can enjoy a violent movie i can enjoy violent fiction or video games because it's it's not real there's a detachment there so that doesn't turn me off but seeing real life violence done especially by law enforcement uh against defenseless people like george floyd and hearing about violence done to someone who was sleeping like brianna taylor and seeing what happened to armad aubrey by three motherfuckers you know that that upsets me on a very core level as far as like it, I just don't like violence. Like I just, I, I abhor violence uh, in re in reality. And I so, mean... yeah. And so I, I just, it's been rough for me. And again, I have people I know I'm friends with like yourself and people, you know, I love you guys on a, I love y'all and I have people I love that mm-hmm. are black and it really tears me up seeing this shit happen to it could be y'all and you know that's Very a little much so I think about that all the time because yeah. i'm i because i you know mm, mm, this is gonna i don't know this how this is gonna come across but like i think for a majority of black people all of these videos that come up are no surprise to yeah. any of us this has been happening for like ever, I think yeah. it's only the advent of uh, the cell phone with that immediate capture video post situation, or if it's you know, I've lost my train of thought. But yeah, so if it's if it's if it's either that or alternatively, and this is going to sound horrible, um, I think the pandemic allowed everyone to witness in real time the dumb shit, right, yeah. and like slow down and turn away from it like because this is again these are things that are happening all the time in the black community and it was just kind of like no one gave a shit and if I'm being all the way honest I don't feel like a lot of white people they still don't give a shit because it's not affecting them directly yeah 
Uh, I think there's been a study shown that like a lot of white people don't even have friends who look like me. Yeah, that so doesn't surprise me. Yeah, so I'm, I'm like, so like once everyone posted their black squares, they just moved on with the rest of their day because it wasn't happening to them unless they started talking about the quote unquote looting and whatever that happens in yeah. the peaceful protests that, you know what I'm saying? Like there's always going to be agitators either way. Um, but, you know, people don't want to look at the history of that stuff either because last I checked the Boston Tea Party, that was y'all. Yeah, it- <laughs> It's a multi. It's a it's a multifaceted issue. Uh, the thing that sticks out to me, and it's been said, I mean, even since Rodney King in '92, uh, mm-hmm. it's been said this is the one that was captured on camera. Think about the ones that aren't captured on camera, and think about what would happen if this wasn't captured on camera. Like it's shit like that that just boggles the mind and like really hurts my heart, man. It's really sad to think about and. I, I, I definitely agree there are white people who are like, it was the flavor of the month protest and they're just doing it to show virtue signal and like, uh, it just looked like they're down with the cause. Very, very performative. And it's, it's stressful too, because it like calls back to, and I think this is where it m- makes life difficult for white people who are allies or people who are of color who are also trying to be allies is that historically white people have always extended the hand just far enough and then just taken it right back. So there's never, there's not really an impetus to just automatically trust that your intentions when you say that you want to help yeah. is, is going to actually pan out to anything. Yeah. So it's just kind of like, Oh, okay, that's cute or whatever. But clearly here we are having to like bend for ourselves again, because in this system that you built, and that we're just trying to exist in. And it's like, bruh, what, what, what are we doing? It's fine. Okay. Yeah, it's really something that 2020 decided to be the year that we have a once in a generation pandemic and also a resurgence of, resurgence has a negative connotation, but I hope, I'm, I hope my, the point I'm trying to make comes across or lands effectively. We also are dealing with shit we should have dealt with decades ago. Like as far as just like, racial equality and racial justice like it's just like it's just it, it just it's a confluence of events and it's it's really sad it's been it's been rough but i i will say as you know a white person i have been you know for better or for worse the message there is a message that is being embraced by the mainstream by corporations whether they're doing it you know performatively or they actually are trying to make change that's a very tough conversation for another day but I am happy to see that some of the protesters are, there is a multitude of representation in these protests. But even I think, I think we talked about this before we got recording, the fact that the movement seems to be losing steam and we hope that it doesn't lose steam. What do you hope for in the future? What do you hope comes of all this? Where do you, where do you hope this movement goes going forward? Mm. Mm. I, I hope that we actually continue to have the conversations as difficult as they may be about where people sit with themselves in terms of their internalized racism Mm -hmm. and within and and how the system of white supremacy as it was established including capitalism and i'm i'm hoping that that we have that conversation and people people learn from it 
but again, I don't know because I, I, I know I can only control so much. And I think my biggest concern with this upcoming election is that like, I, 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 I know that most BIPOC people generalizing here are going to vote the way that they should. I'm just concerned about the white people who aren't affected by this and don't particularly care one way or the other. And so like, that's where I feel like I'm like, if the, if it doesn't go the way that it hopefully needs to go, I don't, I don't know that I can stay here. Like I'm not, and that's not, and I, and I feel like there are going to be people who are going to listen to that and be like, oh, she's being overly dramatic. But I'm like, mm, I don't know. History tells me that this looks like the beginnings of things. And if this man gets reelected again, it's going to be the end of things. Like all of these TV shows have told us, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, Handmaid's Tale. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, there's like a plethora of them that are just out here letting us know, like, you know, art imitates life, imitates art. And this is where we are. The man in the high castle. I, uh, right? I got to be honest with you. This isn't, you know, I don't want to alarm anybody. You know, I know people care about me and people love me, but I don't want to alarm them. I thought about this um, last week. You know that I'm uh, I'm sober. On my birthday, I did have a drink with y'all, but that's the only day of the year that I allow myself the indulgence. But I honestly thought about this, Tiffany. And again, I'm not trying to alarm anybody. I have time to process this. I have time to work on this. And please don't don't lose any sleep over me. But I honestly think that if he wins re-election, I'm going to break my sobriety. Like I think I will be so distraught and so disappointed because that night in 2016 was one of like the worst nights ever mm. as far as like I was drinking back then and I drank like about like half a bottle of vodka that night um staying up chatting with my friend Ben about just how fucking disgusted we were but I I honestly think that it might break me if he wins re-election like I think that I will oh, yeah. succumb and I'm not saying I will I'm saying that mm -hmm. that is a very real possibility um I will do everything I can to avoid that but Look, I, I, I don't know how I will handle that outcome if it happens. I don't think it will. I, I fluctuate. Like, I'm kind of on the fence. I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, but I'd like to believe yeah. that the right man, the right party will win in November, which is only fucking, you know, two months away. If you're listening to this, register to vote, request a mail-in ballot, whatever you got to fucking do, vote, vote, vote. Show up in person with your hazmat suit. Exactly. And so um, I just, I just think that uh, it's, it's rough and I'm, I'm optimistic about the black. It Lives is going to be rough because I'm hoping, but here's the thing, because I've had this discussion with you before. I remember when he first got elected and you and I talked about this, maybe, or maybe on the pod, I think um, I said that like at this particular point, America, the country, has come to a tipping point where they're going to have to decide what kind of country they are going to be. Yeah. And here we are. 2020's, like the 2021 election is it. This is where America decides where it's going to go. Because not to be an alarmist, but I honestly feel like if he wins, the amount of policies that he is going to put in place, if the Senate and the Congress don't flip, like that's generations yeah of like that's going to be undone so this this is the tipping point we are now at the tipping point you america as a country you have to decide what you're going to do yeah like, are 
because right now you have an oligarchy. If you don't know what that is, I, I encourage you to look that up. We do not currently live in a democracy. I don't, I don't know what else to tell you. Yeah. But we, we definitely have like an oligarchy. We've been, we've been having those vibes for quite some time. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I don't like to be uh, cynical. I, I try not to, I, I try not to uh, keep that mindset. Uh, not saying that if you are, if you do not saying that that's not, un, that's, I'm not saying that that's unwarranted. I completely understand that uh, belief. Uh, I'm optimistic, uh, but I will say that if, if he gets reelected, this may be a, a little overdramatic on my part. I think I'll give up. I think I've fully given up on this country. Like I, I, I generally believe that this country is great. I don't, I'm not saying it's the greatest. I don't buy into American exceptionalism. I think that this country is great. And I think that it, it is, it does have a problematic history, but it also has moments of greatness. And I believe that then the possibility mm -hmm. and the potential of the, this country, but if he wins re-election, I think, I think I'll have to resign myself to just that's all propaganda and I've been lied to my entire life. And, and this is this country and shit, even as good as it can be. It would be a wrap for a minute because I remember like America's not a very old country. No, and it's almost not. every other country, every other country has gone through this dumb shit. Yep. At least one point in their life. We're still so going through like, it. We're still going through it. Right. Um, so now I'm just kind of like, is it just America's turn to go through the dumb shit? Because if it is, I'm ready to go. I don't. I'm. I don't want to be here for this. This is not my ministry. <laughs> Nobody can see this because we're we're recording this over Zoom, and <laughs> Tiffany could see it. But I just when she said maybe it is time, we like we both just went raised the shoulder oh. shoulders like, eh, maybe <laughs> who knows? Listen, we'll see. Again, <laughs> we'll. See. I don't know. I I have my request for a mail-in ballot. I got to fill it out. I'm gonna mail it. I'm gonna mail it tomorrow. Uh, mm. And hopefully I'll get that mail-in ballot. But if I don't get it in, you bet your ass. As soon as early voting starts, okay. I'm going to be right well, can off. You do thing where you take your ballot, because I think there's a thing now where you can take your ballot to an actually like polling station and do that instead. Because I'm I'm more so worried about you because you're one of the persons who needs a hazmat suit when you go vote. <laughs> so I'm just kind of like, wait, how? Hey. Let's sort you out first. I voted I voted in the primaries and it seemed to be all right, but this will be a beast of a different different nature. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm sure the lines are going to be long because voter suppression is probably going to have less polling places. And it's, you know, so I'm, it's going to be interesting to see how that works. But I already plan on having the day before I'm getting rest, getting hydrated, preparing my sneakers. If like the polling place opens at eight, I plan on being out there by 730. I'm not playing no games with nobody because I don't want to get there and then be like, oh, well, the polling place has moved its location to this other place. And I'm like, okay, cool. Driving over there, wherever that is. I just, I'm not. Yeah. I'm if, not you, if, if you have the luxury, if you're listening to this and you have the luxury, I strongly encourage you to request election day off. Uh, I'm not saying I will, but I will do whatever I can to block out time to be like, but what I plan to do is you have to request a mail-in ballot. You have to mail your request. They, and if they approve it, they can mail you your ballot. And if I get the mail-in ballot, then I'll drop it off at the polling location or can't remember, can't remember where exactly, but you can find it on the interwebs. Like the, the state of Texas will, does have this information. You just have to look for it. And that's how I plan to vote. But if that doesn't work out, you bet your sweet ass the first day of, 
early okay. voting, I'm, I'm going to be there. I was there in 2016. I've been there in every election since. As soon as election day, I'm like, I'm, I'm there. First, early voting is my favorite day of the, one of my favorite days of the year. Cause I'm like, yeah. I'm there. I don't care what it is. I'm voting. I don't care if we're talking about like councilmen or fucking, or fucking yeah, like city council member, county also, judge. Yeah. I don't care. Like fucking state, state house janitor. I don't give a fuck. I am there. Yeah. I don't, I don't joke, man. 2016 Absolutely. changed my life. 2016 changed my life. I'll never take voting lightly ever again. I mean, I hope this really gets people also involved in like civic engagement because I didn't, yeah. again, being that my, my very first election was like Obama's re-election. That was my very first election as a U.S. citizen. And I was like, look at me out here feeling progressive because there's like a black president that I actually got to vote for. And then yeah. it was just kind of like, oh, it was all a lie. Not the election, but like 2016, I was like, oh, so y'all big mad. Okay, cool. Pit, white people were pissed. White people were fucking pissed. And so I, my first election, my first election, I turned 18 January 2008, and the election was in November. Mm-hmm. So I was there. I, have, I was already ready to go. It was the first time I ever voted in my life, and it was a very happy day. I stayed up all night to watch elections results and polling uh, results. And I literally – shout out to my mom and my stepdad. Uh, <laughs> literally, when – I was watching, I think the Daily Show, or I was watching CNN or one of them, and they announced they're projecting Obama to be winner. It was like, it was like 11, maybe 12 o'clock at night on a Tuesday. I literally woke them up. It was like, Mom, Will, Obama won. And they're like, that's cool. We're trying to sleep. I'm like, just wanted to let you know. You know what you're saying, yeah. <laughs> they, 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 they were like happy, but they were also, you know, they're, they're sleeping. And I was, I was like, you know. I was so excited. I was so amped. But anyway, are you ready to move on to uh, something a little also very sad and recent in the news? Sure. My soul has just left the building. Continue. We're Mm. going to get through this and then we can talk about two fun things uh, coming up. Uh, Or we can talk about, yeah, one fun thing. I literally just watched that episode like right before we did did. this. Oh, what an so let me so let's move on to something very sad and I wanted to talk to you about this because I know how important this film was to you and how important this character was to you. Uh but recently Chadwick Boseman we lost him to uh um, we lost him um in his battle uh with colon cancer. Uh he was only 43. Um he didn't tell anybody. It was a well very apparently the best kept secret in Hollywood. I mean, only him and Beyoncé could do it because what? <laughs> Yeah, apparently from what I've read, Ryan Coogler, the director of Black Panther, didn't know. None of his cast members knew. His agent, I think Kevin Feige knew. And I think like his team and his wife, of course, and his family, of course. But like, I think like in the business, I think his agent knew. And I think Kevin Feige, the head of Marvel Studios knew. And I think that's about it. Like, that's it. Like, those are the only people that knew that he'd been battling colon cancer for four years like that's insane Mm -mm. i can only imagine i think that was my because when you told me yeah i was like -uh," and then i went and go looked at and i was like no and i went through so many emotions because like my first thought was i hope that he was not in a lot of pain yeah 
because, you know, when you're at that stage four situation, you know, I had to call my mom. I was crying because I was like, mom, what is really going on right now? And then even she was like, the black, she's only familiar with him as Black Panther because. I love your mom so much. She doesn't watch a lot of movies. And the only reason why she's like, oh, that's that Black Panther dude. It's like, she doesn't know anything else besides, like she doesn't know about Thurgood Marshall. She doesn't know about, cause she doesn't watch movies in general. Yeah. I make her go. Yes. Um, and she, she was sad. And then we talked about cancer and how, cause I think he, I think the screenings, the recommended screenings for cancer, they start you out at 50. Yeah, 50, yeah. Um, but everyone is like, get them screenings earlier. And that, I mean, that's another moment to talk about healthcare. Yeah. And how there are some doctors out there who do not care. Like I've gone to the doctor for like my month, like my yearly woman's checkup or whatever. And I've gotten doctors who are like, I don't understand why you're here. You don't need to come every year. And I'm like, Oh, but yes, yes, I do. And why are you telling me that I shouldn't come every, like, I don't understand. <laughs> Let me come and get my checkup on. Like, what are, you, what are you doing? Why are doctors out here telling folks not to get their checkups? I, I, I was, I was yeah. just going to say, uh, it's very important, especially in the uh, Black community and specifically Black male community. Apparently, uh, colon cancer is on the rise. It's, it's yeah. I, from what I've read, uh, because this is a particularly sensitive subject for me, uh, it uh, it's on the, it's, the rates are going down overall, like all of humanity, at, at least all of, uh, Americans, right? But it is on the rise in the younger generation, the younger group of, the younger demographic of people. And appar apparently it does affect, uh, I mean, because everything in this country seems to affect black people more than it does everybody else, apparently. It, it it does affect black males more, um, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I'm sorry I cut you off. I was trying to just make that point real quick. No, that's a good one. Listen, y'all out here, black folk, please please get checked. I mean, I don't I don't know if I mean I have an idea as to why you don't want to get checked, but that's again another podcast, another day conversation yeah. for another day. But like, you know, get over yourselves and just get checked. That's, I mean, that, that's where it is because you're leaving behind like your family at yeah. this point over an irrational fear of whatever it is you think it means when somebody's back there checking your colon. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever had a colonoscopy. Uh, I've had several because for anyone not aware, I have Crohn's. I was diagnosed with Crohn's uh, when I was 18, but I had had symptoms. I've had symptoms for the past 15 years. I literally had a friend yesterday she was texting me because her friend is, she was actually asking for a friend, go figure. Her friend was getting a colonoscopy and she was nervous about it. So they asked me, she was, at, she was asking me what has been my experience with it? Cause I've had multiple like double digit colonoscopies. Mm -hmm. They're not fun, but they're not nearly like, again, I don't know what people think they are. And I was kind of young. So I don't really have a really good impression of what they were uh, when I was first, when I had my first few, but they're, they're not, they have it down, unfortunately. They're expensive, but most do most hospitals have them down to a very streamlined process. They do them all the time. They're not that intrusive. The worst part is the prep. It's not a painless process, but it is so. It is so. I guess streamlined is the best way because I wouldn't say it's either easy either, but it is so 
routine, I guess, at this point, that it's not that bad. Mm. It's really not that bad. It's uncomfortable, but it's not painful, I don't think. I mean, listen, if you want to talk about uncomfortable, we can talk about very, very cold speculums yes. to crack open yes. the nether region. Yes. So. <laughs> Y'all have to deal with shit that I'm just like, I don't know how the fuck they deal with that shit. I'm like, what? <laughs> Where is that going? Why is it? Listen, let's talk. <laughs> Uh, but I did I did want to make a point because it did upset me because I'm a fan of I am still a fan of Chadwick Boseman and I am excited about I really enjoyed that film I don't know if you you rewatched it but I rewatched it like the day or so after he passed away I really I mean enjoyed- I could because you know there's everything around my house I have like all of the bobbleheads all yeah. of like I I got all of the merch do you hear me all of the merch and it especially and it was even that much more powerful because i think at the time they relaunched the comic series and ta-nehisi coates was writing it so it was like okay so we have like a a prolific black author writing about black panther one of the you know more iconic marvel people out there and it was just like i mean dude is like richer than iron man you're gonna have to stay mad over there um do you know what i'm saying like he just yeah. He was he smarter than, than, you know, like a lot. Of, so I just was like, yes, give him all of his things. I, I need it. I, I, the way that he treats the Dora Milaje, his army and all that extraneous good stuff, these powerful black women that were out here, listen, talking about move or you shall be moved, little white lady. Um, yeah, I just, <laughs> I think it's funny that that film made a billion dollars, which is incredible. Uh, but I, I was like, Tiffany is probably responsible for like 250 million of that billion. Yes, yes. I have all of the special editions. I have like the Walmart special edition Blu-ray. I have the Target special edition blu I was not playing around. And then I sent my mama to also <laughs> watch the movie and to purchase all of the things like there are no game. I, I have like the little Black Panther golden books yes. thing. Like I was not. I have pins. I have all of the things because it was just kind of like, damn. And he did such a good good job playing the character as well. Now his accent lapsed into like <laughs> randomly at points, but I will forgive only. That. You were definitely the type of person that would totally pick up on that. I remember, as an aside, when we watched uh, when Luke Cage season two came out, and like the villain was Jamaican, uh, I was like, "Oh, Tiffany, I gotta, I gotta I give Tiffany heads no. up about this." I was like, "She's gonna have, a, she's oh, gonna feel a certain yeah. way about this." <laughs> I just, anyway, I said, now anyway. See, you could have just gotten a Jamaican actor. <laughs> Uh, anyway, anyway uh, so you know, again, we want to be respectful to his family and the the filmmaking team behind Black Panther. We want to be respectful to them. They're all suffering right now. They're all grieving. But you know, as a big fan of this movie and this character, what do you feel that Marvel should do going forward? Do you think they should recast? Oh. <laughs> do they? Do you think that they no. should? Yeah. What you do? Is you give it to Shuri because that's where it's supposed to go. What yeah. you mean? I wish you would. Let me get not get hyped. Absolutely <laughs> not. If it is not Shuri that takes over the mantle, it's going to be beefing in these streets. Like, I don't, there's no other option here. There is. Well, and I don't know if Letitia Wright, <laughs> woo, bless her heart. 
is is ready for that kind of like but I mean maybe that's the thing maybe it's her character and her acting ability you know growing into the role of what it now means to be the Black Panther because her brother is no longer available to her you know and so I mean and that would be amazing to see from like the perspective of a Black woman leading a troop of like elite Black women warriors to like keep their country safe from, uh, I just, I, I see it in my mind how that would go. And I'm, I'm here. If it well, ain't true, I'm gonna be mad. I, don't, I, 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 mean, I love, what's his name? Isaac, what's his name? Somebody Washington's son? Denzel oh Washington. yeah, John David Washington. I was just about to talk about that because I was one of the few people. But the answer is no, it I needs was, to be true. I was one of the few people that went out and saw a tenant in the movie theater, which is, that's, that's a whole other thing. I was very impressed by him. Um, I was impressed with him in Black Klansman, and I was very impressed with mm-hmm. him in Tenant. And I was like, mm-hmm. well, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not saying they should recast Mm-mm. T'Challa, but Mm-mm. if they were thinking about doing that, I was like, he would actually probably be a good, but I don't even know. I don't even know if he would do that to another actor. Like, I don't, I think he was, he would be respect, the respectful thing to do is just, I think, I think what you were talking about passing it on to Shuri, I think that's exactly where they were going. It's but, in the comics. Yeah, I think that's where they were going in the movies, but they probably weren't planning on doing it like right now. It's early. Because yeah. they were supposed to start filming Black Panther 2 uh, this month. And so it's, I mean, they had to deal with the pandemic. And now this, I'm just like, God, those poor people. That's, that's so rough. That's so unfortunate. Yeah, it's just, I mean, more so that Chadwick has been, at least in the Black community, he definitely has played some of like, you know, all of, well, not some, pretty much all of the black heroes. He played Thurgood Marshall. He played James Brown. He, played, like, he went through, yeah. So I'm just kind of like, he played all of our heroes so wonderfully on screen. And I just, I'm sad that we've lost that yeah. in him. This is not to say that there aren't other, other actors that could do it because, you know, Mr. Washington yeah. could absolutely, and I'm sure there's like a ton of unheard of talent out there that would also be great at this that I don't know about. Yeah. But, you know, it's just kind of, it's just, it's just sad because he meant a lot to a lot of people in terms of him playing all these great African-American heroes, black yeah. heroes. And he was, um, you know, he had just gotten married, I think last year from what I heard that he was, while he was battling, uh, this this disease he was confident that he was going to beat it and he just got married he literally just got married to his girlfriend last year and so i i i i know you like to joke that you're old but i don't believe you're old but 43 is so young that is so young I was only like two years older than me yeah it's it's it was tragic like i called you it reminded me no i didn't call you i texted you it reminded me i had to do the same thing for my brother because my brother was such a big Kobe Bryant fan I was literally the one who called my brother to let him know because I was like I don't want him to just read this on a notification because it'll be devastating to him and it was he was very sad about it um one of the few times I've ever heard my brother cry like that's it was very wild it was a very sad day but I I reached out to you because I was like I don't want Tiffany to just get blindsided by this and be like yo by the way just letting you know uh it was rough it's been it's been it has been I think the only silver lining I can take from all of it is 
it has been heartwarming to see all the love and uh, heartfelt, you know, praise that he received. I'm sure he was aware of how much he was loved and how much he was appreciated, but it was also nice to see, unfortunately in his passing, how much he meant to people. Like that was pretty, that was nice to see. I mean, I think about like those, the Jimmy Fallon clips yeah. where like people actually got a chance to tell him yeah. how like, and like watching those again made me tear up all over again because I was just kind of like, oh my gosh, yes. I mean, I, I dressed up in cosplay. Yeah, you did. To, <laughs> to go see that movie. I actually had to call Call, call the Alamo Draft House and ask them if I could take my, my bow staff. And they were like, nah, sis, it's, even though it's a stick, very giant stick, um, it's considered a weapon and you can't bring it here. And I was like, what do you mean? I'm just saying. <laughs> like, I just feel like it takes away from the gospel if I don't have my bow staff with me. I love the Marvel <laughs> films. I don't, and I love Star Wars. I don't think I've ever dressed up for either one of those. You were way more hardcore a fan than I ever will be. For that movie alone, because uh, especially as a black woman who it, like, the Dora Milaje to me are the type of, of, of female characters that I live for. Because you know me, I, be, I stay ready to box. Like if you don't come the way this you is true. to come. Facts. <laughs> boxing, we boxing. Um, and so, and I loved that about them. And I love their portrayal in, in the movie. And shout out to Nydia for helping me like sew that costume <laughs> at all hours of the night. But I, I knew I, I, I'd never cosplayed before, but I knew I'd done the right thing because when I went to the theater, first of all, nobody else was dressed in cosplay, which shout out to the white people who did not dress up. <laughs> opening white because that's not your ministry you have many other sci-fi entries to choose from this one ain't yours so that's cute Cheer cheers to um, that. right um but i remember coming out of the theater and a group of us kids had just pulled up on the bus a bunch of black kids had just pulled up on a school bus to see the movie and i came out in my costume <laughs> Yeah. And them little, them kids lost their mind. I just, that's, again, shout out to Nydia because it was a very, very accurate costume, okay? I it was well done. Time, I spent a lot of time beating things, okay? Um, and the, the looks on their faces and the oohs and the ahs and the wows and the, oh my God, like it was just, it was, and I don't like being the center of attention yeah. at all. But I, that, I think for me, that was probably like one of my proudest moments of just like having those kids like see Adora Milaje for real, for real in person. You, you know what I'm saying? Even though it's not a real thing, but still, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it means a lot. It means a lot. Um, yeah. I remember uh, just as an aside, like I had a similar experience when I went to Disney World as a very young child, a very young child. And before Disney bought Lucasfilm, uh, it had a ride called Star Tours. And uh, I remember being in line to go into the ride and they had like, it wasn't actually Darth Vader. It wasn't a guy in a suit, but they had like a mannequin with like Darth Vader's costume on. And it was just like, I was waiting in line and then boom, there it was. I was like, <gasps> like Darth Vader, like <laughs> he's the bad guy. Like I'll admit he's, he's the bad guy, but I love Darth Vader. He's like, an icon to me so i totally get it i totally get that feeling man it was it was magical it was magical it's a it's a sad day again it's nice to see it's nice to see black 
people mm-hmm. in roles where they are the lead and they are not a token yeah. and they are complex characters because we are not a monolith. I don't know how many times I got to keep saying this, you know, and, it, and it's great to see in like, even in a, like a fantasy sci-fi moment, because usually it's like white people being the leads of all of those things, right? And so like- You know, I, I had the thought that if Black Panther, that film, that story had come out 10, 15 years earlier, when I was rewatching it after Chadwick passed away, I was like, mm-hmm. if this movie had been made 10 or 15 years earlier, the main character would have been Everett Ross and he would have been exploring Wakanda and like, it would have been like Last Samurai mm-hmm. or some it shit. It would have been like how yeah. Everett Ross, he doesn't become Black, Pan- Black Panther, but he becomes like like White Lion or some bullshit where it's just like, we got to make sure that the white person has the agency and is the protagonist in this story. So I totally get where you're coming from. Uh, doing that it's so stressful like I don't understand it's that weird idea of like needing to insert themselves in stories that are not about them like I don't because I remember when they when Disney first announced Mulan I was like if I see one Caucasian person up in this movie that is set to a traditional Chinese poem. We beefing. Oh my like god! What? Why? Why were you there? It's like when a Matt Damon and whoever else. Oh yeah, Pedro Pascal Chinese was in the Great Wall. What you doing there? For what? Why are you here? I mean, granted, when I did watch the movie, it was just kind of like, well, <laughs> they Fuck got it. caught tres- trespassing and they got caught got caught up. But then it became like they ended up somehow being the saviors, and I'm like, why are you here? It's Go called. Away. It's called the, uh, it's an unfortunate trope throughout uh, filmmaking, especially American filmmaking, uh, and just, you know, Western fiction. Media in general, yeah, yes. Western that fiction white savior, white savior that white savior yeah. trope. And I'm just like, go away. Because uh, if I'm being all the way honest, no one needed to be saved. Like, I feel like that's, in, like, that's that interesting narrative of, like, you you came in and you tamed the savages and you made them civilized. I'm like, the savages were doing fine before you got there. Yeah. Your version of like how medicine functions and how cleanliness functions. I'm looking at you people going wash your hands regularly. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, the introduction of Christianity in order to like undermine like, it's just, it's, it's like you did this to these people. Like you... You fucked them up. Yeah, I think and you are somehow the savior in the situation. Fuck out of here, man. I think, I think it, the, one of the brilliant things about Black Panther, um, and this was very intentional, was uh, you know I've watched it before. I rewatched it. I think I'd watched it like twice before. Like mm-hmm. I liked, I really enjoyed the movie, but it didn't have the emotional or cultural connection uh, that it may have had for you or other people of color. But I really enjoyed it. So I I hadn't really rewatched it. I don't really rewatch a lot of the uh, solo movies in the MCU. I watched the Avengers movies over and over again and the Spider-Man movies over and over again, but rewatching it, I, I really thought I really, it really does invert the white savior narrative as far as like the, the black people don't need to be saved. They, the, the whole crux of that movie is about how these black people should be saving all of us, the rest of us. And, you know, specifically black people throughout the world, but just saving the world because they have 
all of the technology, all of the superpower here, and they are holding it back. And they, and you can tell T'Challa at the end of that movie is like, we need to do our part to save not only people who share our skin color throughout the world, but the rest of the world. Like, I thought that that's brilliant. It's a really great film. It's really great. <laughs> I, I had mixed feelings on that one because, again, there's that built-in sort of like, so you're going to present all this tech to these white people who are absolutely going to exploit the fuck out of it. Well, I think that's what they were going to talk about in Black Panther 2. I was really excited because about it. Because I'm, I'm, I, like, the distrust is there. I don't trust it. I don't trust it. Yeah, unfortunately, um, I hope maybe they will ta- tackle that in the sequel. Maybe they won't. We'll see what they do. But just wrapping up on Black Panther because we want to get to Lovecraft Give Country. Give Shuri her things. Letitia, <laughs> write a movie for you, girl. Yeah, it was a great film. He was a great actor. He was a very talented performer, and he will be missed. And it's sad, um, but we just have to be grateful for the time and the work that he produced, uh, that he gave us. We should just be grateful for that. If I, that, well, that's just how I feel about it. I, I'm not telling anybody else how to feel. So, so are you ready to move on to Lovecraft Country? Yes. <laughs> I, I, did we talk about this? Like, I thought you knew that I was going to watch this show. I was, I saw the trailer for Lovecraft Country, and I was like, yes, I am watching okay. that. That looks incredible. <laughs> I am a scaredy cat for the most. Oh, yeah, I don't. When I saw the trailers, I was like, "Oh, this is this is none of my business." Listen, I have cats. They stare at blank spots in the wall very intently from time to time. Yeah, and I'd be like, "Ready, like, okay." So, so the cat staring at the wall. Clearly, there's something there. Let me prepare my garlic and my sage. You know what I'm I don't fuck around with like Ouija boards. None of that. I don't. I don't do all all them their shenanigans. Not to say that I just that I believe it. But I'm not testing it either. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that's not my ministry. Because I... So, before, we, before we go any further, uh, let's, you know, only four episodes have come out. I think there... Is there eight or ten? Do you know? I want to say it's eight. Well, before we get started, let's just say going forward, if you haven't watched yet, we, ha- we, we definitely encourage you to watch it. It's on HBO. But spoilers going forward, just... I mean, we're not going to... Spo- let's try not to spoil everything, but we're, we're not going to be like... We're going to mention some things that happen in the first four episodes. Four very good episodes, by the way. If you're scared of shit, how did that first episode, like, that, dude, dude, that fucking slow ass. How case. are you not spoiling? How Because I'm like, wait, how, how much are we telling? Because I was like, Ooh. well, I mean, okay, so there's different things to be scared of, right? Yeah. Right. So yeah. because it's like, it's set in a time where like racism was on like five thousand. Yeah like blatant in your face rape racism like i didn't like sundown towns i had no clue what that was so again i had, I had heard of them history. but i had never i had never really seen it in television or film like that until yeah i mean i had heard rumors that there are parts of georgia that you can't that you shouldn't drive through if you're black but i was like what yep. what are you talking about there and are parts then, of like, louisiana the old miss and i was like oh they're not fucking around okay cool 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 cool, cool. got yeah. it got it got there it. Are, there are parts of louisiana same way yeah so i was just kind of like what so then for me that was I'm, i was trying to debate who were the monsters here the white people doing the absolute fucking most or the monsters and i was like i mean if i had a choice between the two hmm. well I, I think you just i mean the monsters the monsters are at least defeatable yeah, I think you just I summed know. up the entire show right there. Like, 
who are the real monsters here that these black protagonists have to really worry about. I, yeah. I, I love it. I love, I'll let you go, but I just wanted to say that, like, I really love the cast. I was sad to see, I hope Courtney B. Vance isn't dead for good because I love me some Courtney B. Vance. Uh, I really like the main character, but hands, hands down, uh, Journey, Journey Smollett, I was just yes. like, she's just, first of all, I'll just say it. She's gorgeous. So I'm just like, yes, I want her on my television screen and screen as much as possible. I, mean, I really liked her in Birds of Prey as well. But mm-hmm. that episode with the haunted house, like I was like, this girl is incredible. She is so talented. Oh, Tiffany's getting emotional. <laughs> Tiffany's getting emotional. <laughs> I, I was very, very nervous because I don't do, I don't generally enjoy haunted houses. Mind <laughs> you, didn't we discuss Hill House, like the haunting of Hill House? I, I still love haven't that watched series. it yet. What? Okay, that's, that's, that's for another day. Um, so I just, I, you know, I, I live by myself. And so anything that creaks in my house, I, my machete's in my hand. Like, what are we doing? I'm ready. Um, so that was stressful for me. Yeah. In that, in that sense, I was just kind of like, what, what is, what is going on? That, I mean, that, that episode was, first of all, the way that she, Jasmine Sullivan, them cars. If you don't know, for the white people who are not familiar, Jasmine Sullivan is a wonderful R&B singer who <laughs> sings a car, a song called I Bust the Windows at Your Car. That was incredible. And I, because like, you know, that psych and like thinking about the psychological warfare, because I think Tick even mentions it. He's like, that's what we did in Vietnam. You use sound. Yeah. In order to like just wear down the psyche of the people. And I'm like, just because they lived in your neighborhood. Like it was it's like all these subtle nods to like the racism and like the dumb shit that were just like, oh, just rough. I, I mean, mm. the episode we just watched, the episode four, A History of Violence, like that was like, that had a whole bunch of shit going on. Mm. And the the Indiana Jones kind of nature of it all, like the- yeah. Are there any movies with black people as the lead in like an adventure type movie? Let me think. Uh the lead? I don't. Uh, none are coming. None are coming to mind right now. That's probably. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I'm trying to think. I don't think so. No, I, don't, I, don't I think cannot so. think. Of that, but I remember watching Tick descend into the things, and I was like, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> like it was that immediate. Like you remember in the, the one where he like descends down, and he's all like, "It's not that." Well, either one, because there's multiple ones where he's like, I hate snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? Or yeah. like the other one where he like sets the sun staff and like reveals yeah. the location. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, like that, just like descending into, the, and I was like, oh, so we're about to go on this adventure, which was so, such a great callback to the little boy in the library who was reading the book. Yeah, I saw that too. I noticed that as well. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. So this is, this episode is exploring like, you know, being an adventurer. And I was just like, yeah. I really, I also want to give a shout out to uh, uh, Letty's half sister. I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but she's the singer. She's the uh, the one who was trying to work at that department store. She is so mm-hmm. she was so talented, and she was so good. Like like there was so much visual like implicit storytelling when she sees the other black girl working at the department store. And people were like, and I was just like, that's incredible. It's so brilliant. I think, I think the show is awesome. I'm looking forward to it. It's definitely up there for like uh, Westworld for me. Um, like I was like, I really enjoy, I'm probably one of the few people that still watched Westworld after season two, but uh, 
I'm really, I'm, re- I'm really loving this show, and I love how fucking weird it is, and how you just don't know. Like, I didn't read the book, so I don't know what the fuck's gonna happen. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, man, fucking take me places. I want to see how fucking weird yeah. this is. I'm just uh, it's it's I'm I'm so intrigued and I'm so ready to see where this goes and I'm I'm curious as to what other genres of fiction yeah. and science fiction that they're going to explore because ooh like there's so many points that I'm just kind of like wait so I have questions about that I have questions <laughs> about that I do what's her name Christina Brath Bright Braithwaite Brathwaite however you pronounce oh, Christina uh, Braithwaite Braithwaite you know I have some specific questions about her and her brother. She was, uh, well, first off, I don't think that's her brother, but. Uh, uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's my suspicion. And I don't know if that is technically, it, it, I don't know if that's. Uh, but I mean, it, it comes across to me. They have not said anything. Yeah. But uh, so I'm, I'm going to show you, this is my opinion. I think that she and her brother are the same person. I do. Which makes me very stressed out for multiple reasons. You just blew my mind. Right? I, I feel like they're the same person because you never see them in the same place at the Oh my the God, time. you got me thinking if now. How, if you look at how episode four was cut, she went, she parked a car. Oh shit, you're right. Oh, I didn't notice that. You're right. <laughs> they're never in the same, like, I don't understand how you don't have homeboy with you at all times to like manhandle these men. And like, I just... What and they, is going and they do on? make a point, like everyone in that in that order or secret society, whatever, they make a point about how she's a woman and they really drive the fact that she's inferior because she's a woman. That would be mm-hmm. fucking amazing if they twist it and was like, psych, I'm also a man. And just be like, oh, okay. Which means I'm actually in your order and you yeah. like I just ugh, there's that line that she says to Tick, and he's like, when he was, when she was like, you got to be smarter than this, Tick. You can't just go around murdering white women. I said, oh, if that ain't a callback to Emmett Till. The, the show oh, has so many things. There's, there's so many things. I was, I'll just say this, man. Last thing I'll say on Lovecraft Country. I knew I was, I was like, again, I saw the trailer. I was like, yes, I will be watching that. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. But like mm-hmm. the first like five minutes of episode one, they showed Cthulhu. And I was like, I'm in. The show I'm in. Oh, that was, that's who that was. The flying yeah. spaghetti monster dude. That yeah, worked. Cthulhu, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, the Shogoths. The Shogoths? How do you, I don't know what they're called officially. The Shogoths? It's like the vampire looking. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't remember what they were called either. But mm. I, that is again, also I'm, not my ministry. I'm not, I'm, I'm not a big H.P. Lovecraft fan. I've, I'm kind of familiar with some of his works, but that shit never really interested me. But, I'm like, man, maybe after this I should read some H.P. Lovecraft, even though he was an incredibly, incredibly racist person. Like, he was like, he was like eugenic and all that shit. Well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did he, wasn't, um, what was the name of that man? Wasn't, was Tim Burton influenced by him? In terms uh, of like that dark storytelling sort of, not like the racist. I think, I I think Tim Burton was probably more inspired by Edgar Allan Poe and just, mm. you know, gothic architecture and just, like, f- German expressionism as far as filmmaking. But he might have been. I don't know. I, I don't think – I don't think uh, – I don't think Tim Burton's ever done, like, a body horror kind of film yet. He kind of keeps kind of quirky, but he doesn't necessarily go full horror. Um, oh, yeah. The Corp Bride? They were body parts falling off. Well, I mean, that was kind of a kid's film. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, yeah. But uh, I, I'm really loving it. it, it it's – I mean, with football starting this coming Sunday, 
I'll be looking forward to that. But Sunday nights, I'm like, I got to watch me some fucking Lovecraft Country, man. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. And also, as completely different backyard here, but like, I rewatched The Mandalorian season one, and mm-hmm. that was great. And I'm really looking, for, like, it's coming mm-hmm. out October 30th. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that. And when we're done with this call, I think I'm going to start the I think I'm going to start the boys this evening. So listen, I listen. I watched, <laughs> I watched those first three episodes, and I was like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> give me my things. I am so listen that exploration into like hero hero worship, and like, oh, I just like the role of the media and like, oh, these giant corporations that just control. I I am ready. I was like, yes, yes to everything that is happening here. Yes. I I feel like between that and Lovecraft Country, those two shows could not have come at a more opportune time. I agree. I really do. But yeah, Woo! I think that's gonna do it for the conversation. Are you ready to get in these questions? Yeah, let's get into these questions. All right, let's let's do it. Uh first off, thank you for doing this. Again, I really hope the technical problems won't ruin this episode because it's been a great conversation, but I'll do the best I can and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll find out what goes on when I hear the recording. Again, I really appreciate you doing this, Tiff. I always love talking to you and I really look forward to hanging out with you in person eventually. Who the fuck knows, yeah. right? Uh, okay. Absolutely. So let's, let's get started. When did you get your first cell okay. phone and what kind was it? Oh God, it was a Nokia flip phone. Nice. So that should tell you how old I was. At the time, and that's all I'm going to say. Uh, it was an Nokia flip phone. Uh, those things were unbreakable. I missed them terribly. The only thing that you could do on them was play Snake Yeah. Um, and call people. These new d- fangle-dangle phones that are out here now doing the absolute most, I'm not really a fan of, but that Nokia flip phone, mm-hmm. it was a brick. You could actually chunk it at someone's head and cause injury. Yeah, I had a... Uh... Uh, a Siemens uh, that's the name of the company and that's not a uh, that's not a fucking innuendo <laughs> for something but there was a Siemens it was a singular wireless like it wasn't a Nokia but it was it was like that little tiny little like it was like a little like oval thing like whatever but it was mm-hmm. yeah that was I got mine in 2002 I was 12 years old um, yes I remember these phones yep 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 okay uh, that might have been my first phone, and then the Nokia flip phone. But anyway, yeah. Anyway. Mm-hmm. All right, next question. What is one reality TV or game show you would do the best on? Ooh, that's a good question, because I feel like the way that my introvertedness is set up, I feel like I would just be giving people side eye and just looking in the corner <laughs> like a big brother or, you know what I'm saying? It was one of those shows. Um, I want to say, I feel like my mom and I could do The Amazing Race. Because that it's like was not expecting that one. Right? Because it's traveling and it's like two people working together because we, we, we know how to work well together. Yeah. And like we traveled enough to where it's like, you know, whatever it is, we can figure it out. And between like my mom is like a fucking, you know, Harvard graduated physician and then me, I'm an electrical engineer. It's like, we got this. We got this. Like, I'd, be, yeah. I, I'd tune in. I'd root for you. I mean, it would be a lot of just us getting shit done there wouldn't be much talking or arguing and i don't know that like that makes for good tv yeah they'd be like these these two are too competent they're too (laughs) they're too drama free we need we need to add some spiciness to this like journey here 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, no, because like by the time like episode three aired, we'd already done one. So <laughs> okay, let's That's- move on to the next question. I'm very curious about this one because I know oh, you're, you're a big reader. What is your favorite book? Oh shit. Okay, so I will say the series that I think impacted me the most was yeah. the was is it the Heralds of Valdemar series by oh, I, never heard I of that think. One. You know, it's, 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 um, <laughs> by Anne McCaffrey, I think is her name. Oh, I feel like I need to look that up, but I think it, it's the Heralds of Valdemar series, which thoroughly solidified in my mind that I should be able to telepathically communicate with animals. Oh, what, no, was it? See, now I got to go check my thing because I don't think it's her. It was. Oh, it's Mercedes. Okay. So it was, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Mercedes. So Mercedes Lackey did the, um, the Heralds of Valdemar series. And I was very much into that because I think it really taught me to have like next levels of empathy for people who were downtrodden mm. by society. And, I, and, and then she covered like a, a whole host of things. Like I, because like, I think that was the first time in, my, in terms of like literature where I read about um, gay people being together. Mm. And it was like, it was like not a big deal. In her books, it was not a big deal. So I just assumed that it was not a big deal until I got out into the real world. And then I was like, oh, y'all mad. Okay, cool. That's none of my business. That, y'all don't have to stay mad. That's interesting. I'll have to look at <laughs> one. Uh, mm, I've never, mm, never heard of that series. It's, it's very much on the fantasy side of things. Okay. Like there's like magic and like, you know, lavender ride talking horses that like bond so there's there's that um it was Anne McCaffrey on the sci-fi side uh who really got me into like sort of the politics of -hmm. science fiction like what happens when there's like rulers and like there's a bunch of political stuff at play and all that it trained to stuff, and like those were the two for sure, for sure that got me. Those two authors in particular got me through some rough times in my youth. So th- those were the two for me. And Piers Anthony, I love for like the funny, the Piers Anthony with the puns. Like if you love a good pun, I was I was here for it, and I love that he would like take suggestions from his audience as to like different puns that he could use in the book. I love that. It was great. Uh, it was great. Mine is uh, yeah. mine is uh, much more ordinary, I guess, or much more like conventional. Is The Great Gatsby? It's my favorite book. This is the this is the book I'm currently working on. Uh, I don't know if you can see that. Oh yeah, yeah. Normal oh. people. I watched the the show on um, Hulu, and I've been working my way through that book for a while now. Even though I'm just lazy, it's not a difficult read. It's just I'm I don't, I don't like to read. I, I, it's kind of like. I wish it was a bigger hobby in my life, but it, mm-hmm. it used to be, but not so much anymore. There's other stuff to entertain me. I have like 10 with. books that I'm reading all at the same time right now. It's kind of ridiculous. Okay, let's, uh, let's move on to the next question. Uh, what is your favorite pair of shoes, that, you, pair of shoes. that you've either owned or currently own? I want to say my, my white Adidas because I have giant flat feet. And these particular pair of Adidas, they look cute with everything so I can wear them with a dress you yeah. know what I'm saying? and still be stylish, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, and the fabric is stretchy so I can put my like orthopedic inserts in there. Lord of mercy. Um, do you know what I mean? And then yeah. they're like white so I can just like, you know, they, they stay looking cute. They're adorable. And, and they do not make my feet look like I'm wearing 
fucking like flippers. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. my feet look like nice in them. Yeah. No, they don't look like clown shoes. No, they do not. I appreciate, I listen, if I could buy like 30 pair and just like rotate them out, I absolutely would. May, may I ask a Jamaica question? Mm-hmm. Is it, do they back home, do they pronounce it uh, Adidas or Adidas back home in Jamaica? <laughs> um, you know, I don't remember because it's been a very, very long time since I've been back home. And I don't know that I was interested in, in like name brands sneakers at the time. So I don't yeah. know that I would have heard it in like casual conversation. I'm, I'm one of those shoes hipsters that people say, <laughs> oh, well, those are my pair of Adidas. I'm like, you mean Adidas, right? Yeah. I'm like, mm. I'm like all like smug about it. I'm like, mm. uh, well, don't, but, the, don't the, the Brits say Nike? They don't say Nike. They say Nike. Uh, I, think. Uh, I, I don't know. I've never heard them pronounce it that way, but I don't see. I, I used to love wearing Adidas, uh, but I don't anymore because I do wear Nikes now. Uh, my, my Air Force Ones are probably my favorite pair of shoes that I've ever owned. But I, I swore. I just want the Miles Morales ones. That's the only pair of Nikes I ever want to own. Is the oh, those, his, his Air Jordan ones. Yeah, those are pretty his iconic. Air Jordan. That's like the only, I, and I would not even wear them. I would just purchase them to have. Okay, let's move on to the next question. Uh, what is your favorite smell or scent? I want to say probably like jasmine. Okay. Jasmine mixed with a little bit of tea tree oil. Oh. And that's mainly because like those are the essential oils that I use on my hair and my scalp to yeah. like maintain health and wealth. So yeah, those two for sure. Like I have candles that smell in that vicinity all the time. Yeah. I, uh, mine is uh, much more culinarily inclined. Uh, my favorite smell is the smell of bacon. You know, it's bacon or bait or like baking. No, bacon, like strips of bacon, like that have been frying. Okay, so bacon, now that is a delicious scent. That is a very delicious scent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah uh, I can get behind bacon. Yeah, I love that it makes my whole apartment smell like bacon. Love it. Okay, you can. It, let's say you can only watch TV shows or movies for the rest of your life. What would you pick? You know what? I'm a sucker for TV shows only because after the movie ends, I'm always like, so then what happened? Like, where's the rest of it? <laughs> like, can you tell me more? Like, I want to know what happened. And I feel like with movies, unless it's like a trilogy or whatever, whatever, like it doesn't yeah. really, but I'm like, I, I would like to know what happens in the, like the character building and who are these people. And I would like to grow old with them. Like, you know, like the six seasons of like sister, sister, <laughs> you saw Tia and Tamara Maori go from like, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, okay, so now that they're married, now what? Let's talk. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I want to know what happens next. So I, I'll probably say like TV shows. That is, that is a random pull and I, I love it. Um, <laughs> uh, see, I'm, I'm movies because I like, I, I actually, I'm on the, on the other side of the coin. I prefer more concise, more uh, uh, simple storytelling as far as like get in, get out, hear this person's story and then whatever happens happens afterwards but and also I'd, i would choose movies because i have to be able to watch the star wars movies so i mean this but for sure but like i feel like there's not enough i don't get like because a lot of these movies there's no time for character building yeah oh yeah that's that's definitely like, an issue kind of like, and i'm just like i need to know like their motivations like why how did he how did Darth Vader come to these conclusions where we are not talking about that boy? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> His whiny ass in the movies talking about I'm going to share one and that's why I'm going to destroy his world. Like that is not, that is the dumbest motivation ever. This is, this is dumb. 
Yeah, but it's like, pretty you bad. Know, like actual storytelling of the characters and like how they all sort of converged into where they are now. I'm that's what I'm curious about. Like like the actual character story of each person. Well, I I just feel like while that is nice to have that level of development. I feel like TV shows also, for the sake of keeping the show running, especially if it's profitable, they add a bunch of filler and they add a bunch of characters or develop a bunch of characters that I don't really care about. So I prefer a more efficient, concise storytelling. Granted, it is glossed over storytelling and underdeveloped storytelling in certain films, but that's, that's, the, that's the, on the spectrum, that's more where I lean towards Speaking of which, did you see, I think, I don't know when it was released, somebody posted it somewhere, but like they're giving the Game of Thrones characters, char- <laughs> yeah. char- <laughs> like they're green lighting them running, like producing and directing <laughs> and doing all that stuff to a Chinese sci-fi. Yeah, Netflix, yeah. And I am so very confused because once again, why are these white people here? Well, I don't huh? know. I don't know, but I will say that they did secure the bag with Netflix before the last season, I'm pretty sure, of Game of Thrones dropped. And so they already had the money. They already had the, the deal. So they were like, well, let's just fucking go really crazy. I don't really know who that show is going to be for. I don't really think I'm going to watch it, but sure, go right ahead. I'm just glad I mean, that they're no longer the, doing a Star Wars movie. The same thing happened with Avatar The Last Airbender. Like, did you hear that that series dropped off at Netflix? Because yet again, Netflix was like, can we squeeze at least one white person? <laughs> and I'm like, why? This is literally what happened the first time. Are you kidding me right now? Uh, for Again, for the record, uh, <laughs> I've never seen an episode it's, of Avatar. Clear. And, and uh, I'm so sorry, that one did, I've never watched Avatar. Yeah, you're the you're literally the third person I've had on this year who's a huge Avatar fan and is shocked that I've never watched it. It's it's just like I made my mom go to see the movie. And why would you do that to her? Because I didn't know it was like opening night. I was excited, and then we went, and I was so mad. I was so angry. Like drove my mother back to the house, and (laughs) I had a DVD collection. I made her watch all of the books with me so that she could see the trash that we had. Ju- I that that is one of her like she loves to tease me about the Avatar series because she knows it's like a hot button like that's that like that hot shaft needle just ah I'm on one like no absolutely oh my I can't believe you haven't seen Avatar the Last Airbender. Look, it's it's I'll I'll be the first to admit it's for stupid reasons I've never seen it, but maybe one day I'll get around to it. Although, to be fair, I will say that in terms of, like, having white people direct specifically Asian shows, yeah, they did a good job because Avatar The Last Airbender, the original uh, gentlemen who did it were two white people. Yeah, and that's, and that's kind so of the reason. It can't be done, but it's like, you trust the news yeah. who wanted to, like, pilot a show about what if the South had won? Fuck out of here. Uh, Absolutely not. No, no monies for you. <laughs> as far as Avatar, that's the kind of the reason why I never got into it because uh, as a big anime fan growing up, Avatar came out when I was a young kid and it just looked like fake anime. It just looked like an imitation mm-hmm. of anime. So I was like, so I was really, I was kind of snobbish, but turns out it's great and maybe one day I'll watch it. I don't know. I, maybe. 
you know what's interesting though is that you have said that you're a pacifist yeah i am interested to hear your take on ang 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 sure ang, sure why not on his journey on what it means to be a pacifist in a world that is being torn apart by war yeah i hear it's great i hear it's got like some great characters and great stories i just i've never really i've never really felt like oh i have to watch this i'm just like eh, maybe one day Mm. That's fair. Okay, That's fair. let's move on to the next question. This is one of my favorite questions I've ever asked. You get to use a time machine. When and where do you go? But you must stay there for at least three days. Uh, no more, all, no less. I was about to say. First of all, as a black woman, yeah, it would tough. not be in the past. I don't, <laughs> I don't know when I would. There, I yeah, I, I there's not a time back yon that is that is good for me. Um, and, and since I'm really not sure how the future, I would, I would probably use it to go the future to be like, so are we going to come out on the other side of this or not? Like, the, I feel like that's where I would go. The catch is if you go like a hundred years, 50 years, whatever time in the future, and it's like the apocalypse and societies have been destroyed and it's like Mad Max out here, you got to live there for three days. So I mean, it would be no different from like going back to like Lovecraft Country times and surviving oh, then for three days. Like, I, I agree. I've asked this question to all of my guests and I've said over the, every time, I would go to the future. I have no desire to go to the past. Nothing about the past interests me. No, I want to go like 100, 200 years in the future to see what that's like. Maybe the past in a different country nope. or a different culture. Look, it's, it's, it's very simple. I'll explain my reasoning. I want to okay. go to, I never want to be where penicillin is not readily available. I never want to go where there's not yeah. electricity. I don't want to have to worry about like, oh, you know, if I like, if something bit me right now or I got hurt, uh, would the doctors be able to heal me properly? Like, no, you I don't. You know what's funny? Being like growing up in Jamaica, like you just go and find the bush that your grandma tells you about and you just, you, you sort that shit out. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? So like, cause like if you're, if you're poor and you live out in the country, like access to like the nearest doctor is not yeah. Yeah. readily available. So most Jamaicans who like grew up and like, you know, are, and lived in the poor aspects of it, you, yeah. you get that natural medicine going, you know how to, you know, kill your own food, set your own bones if you need to. I'm good. So I'm Gucci on that. I'm just saying. I'm good. I don't want to have to worry about like, Hey, you know, does this automobile I'm currently in have airbags? Like, you know, I like modern technology. I like technological advancement. All that shit about romanticizing the past and be like, oh, it was a simpler time. Fuck all that. Mm -mm. Not for me. <laughs> so bo both of us would go to the future. Okay. Yeah. Uh, would you rather be an Olympic gold medalist or a Nobel Prize winner? And for what? Ooh. Okay. I would go with the Nobel Prize winner because that... Olympic gold medalist sounds like you have to like exercise. Um, well, granted, granted, you were imbued with like magical, natural, uh, like talent. Ability. Like you were ability. Like if you were like, oh, I'd be a swimmer, you'd become the greatest swimmer, like magically somehow. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm, it'd it just mm -hmm. be up to you. Um, I still say Nobel Prize because okay. I would like to think that whatever I discovered would hope hope. Ugh, you know, I'm not an optimist, but hopefully like 
make the world a better place in a very permanent way. So, so you not to do... say that like gold medalist winners are not, you know, their wins are not impermanent, but just like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I'm thinking about like Marie Curie and her work with. So, you know, so you would do sciences as far as a prize, like you wouldn't go like literature or Nobel peace or whatever or anything like that. I'm nervous. I would probably do science. Yeah. I am owed a flying car, damn it. <laughs> um, I am. I'm definitely, I, you know, when you watch Total Recall, the Arnold one, um, I'm definitely <laughs> owed a car. I'm, I have, I'm owed several those. I have no interest in a flying car. That seems incredibly dangerous to me. Not really. Like, if you really, like, focus on, like, working out your feedback loop system, and like making sure that all those parameters are set, the 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 data and the actual vehicle will sort. I it was. I'm so sorry for those. I was an electrical engineer, and that was like my senior project for graduating. Was actually. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, um, it was. It was using a feedback loop system for keeping cars within their lanes. Yeah. Uh, and so using that's very boring. As, stuff. as tempting as like since i dabble in writing like winning a nobel prize for like literature as tempting as that would be i'd actually go gold medal and mine would be uh u.s men's soccer like i would love to be the first on the oh. team that like the first men's team to win a gold medal in soccer like that would be incredible for me that's so much running though but i love <laughs> so soccer much but it's a lot of running though but but like, no, what position are you playing? Are you playing, like, center forward? Like, or are you, like, the goalie? Like, what are you I, doing? No, I would not be the keeper. I would probably be uh, mid, <laughs> yeah, mid, uh, midline. But, uh, no, man, like, I just – it's more historic. Like, U.S. has never yeah. won anything in soccer. Like, no gold medals, no nothing. Uh, are you talking about the women's team or Sorry. the men's team? Absolutely. The U.S. Mm -hmm. men's I apologize. My, I love the U.S. women's team. I did not mean any disrespect. I meant the U.S. men's team because everyone should know that our women's team are like fucking gods or goddesses, however you choose to refer to them. But U.S. men's, there's never – U.S. men's has been shit like pretty much throughout its entire history. And I think how incredible that would be to be on the first men's team to win anything in international mm -hmm. soccer, that would be great. So that, that's where I'm coming from. I will give you that. I will give you that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, I know this is question will be tough for you because you do tend to be admittedly pessimistic. But, you know, five years from now, <laughs> five years from now, 10 years from now, what do you hope we learn from all that's happened this year? What do you, what do you hope we all take away from everything that's we've experienced so far? Uh, I hope that people learn to be less selfish. Yeah. With themselves and with others. And like really double down on the empathy thing. Yeah. That that is my hope. I, I really hope that like people are able to be like, I've never had that experience, but I can imagine and I can empathize with you. Like that is I, I don't know that that's happening now. Um, or at least, you know, to an extent, but you know, I I it saddens me that it took it took the combination of a pandemic and the filmed execution of a person in order yeah. for people to even start having those sort of empathy conversations. And I'm always, I'm almost like, what would have happened had those two things not combined in this particular time? Yeah. 
my my thing is talking about like you know oh i want to go back to normal i'm like what exactly is normal that is the that's the episode title right there so my mine is in the same vein as yours but it's more of a practical economic motivation Mm -hmm. I, i really hope that we all learn how dependent we all are on each other like how one segment of our society or economy goes down and it trickles out to several other segments of our society and or economy. And I just hope we realize, oh, we need people a lot. Like we rely on each other for a lot of things, even if it's just, hey, those people buy my shit and like that's how I make money. Or those people buy the shit that the company I work for profits off of, which is my paycheck. Like that's that's what I hope we learn from all that, just how dependent we all are on each other and how we need to realize like these people suffering over there will indirectly or directly affect me. So let's, let's take care of each other. Let's make sure everybody's taken care of because there's enough money in this world and in this country to make sure that everybody's taken care of. But for primalistic reasons, for barbaric, selfish reasons, we don't do that because stupidity. I mean, like I said, we've been an oligarchy for quite some time. It's only the very small amount of the wealthy who are really sort of controlling the way the country runs. So, you know, we'll see how this goes. I don't know. But we are ending this on a positive note because John is a positive person. Um, oh, and we man. are not going to do that on this good here today. Yeah, so, so my positive note is that five years from now, we have like a black female Dora Milaje president uh, who has like, you know, you know, the, the history books have, are including uh, black history as part of the American history as it should. Yeah. Um, and that it's being taught to everyone. Yeah. So, so that's, yeah, that's, Fingers crossed. We'll see. I, I totally agree with you. And I hope that it shakes out that way. But it, none of that can happen if we don't get out to vote, if we don't make sure everything that needs to go down in November goes down. That is the first step. It's not, it's not crossing. November is not crossing the finish line. November is the first step in a reclamation movement yes. and a progressive movement. But everybody listening to this, I swear to God, if things go south, figuratively speaking, and I run into you and you say, I didn't vote I didn't in November vote. 2020. Or I voted I'm a pacifist. I am a pacifist, but I will be very inclined to smack the piss out of you because <laughs> you are part of the problem. Yeah. Anyway, yeah it's... so let's, let's wrap up. Thank you, Tiffany, for doing this. I, I love that you made time. This was a lot of fun. Everyone listening, please like, subscribe, share reach out to me, reach out to Tiffany on social yeah. media if she wants. I doubt it. She yeah. doesn't like people. Uh, but <laughs> uh, give my Push best. Strong opinions. Strong opinions. <laughs> give my best okay. to, your, to your cats. And of course, give my best to your lovely mother who I hope to meet one day uh, because I have, yeah. I just, I'm just so fascinated by her. She's an ER doc in the middle of COVID in the middle of the South. So we'll, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just hoping she makes it home. That's it. As, as we all are. Thank you, Tiffany, guys. Thanks for listening, everybody. And Tiffany, I'll catch you later. I hope you have a great rest of your Monday. Yay, thank you. Bye. Happy Labor Day. Bye.